Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sarah. And I'm Beth. We're lawyers, mothers, and co-hosts of the podcast Pantsuit Politics. We have more in common than divides us. In a world that defaults to false dichotomies, we explore the messiness of living wisely. The choices, trade-offs, priorities, and grace of living a nuanced life. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Nuanced Life. You know, one of the things that we tend to circle around a lot in our work is how to have a really hard conversation, and that's what we're going to do today. We've talked here on The Nuanced Life recently about having hard conversations about COVID-19 and our different approaches to managing the pandemic. Today, we're just going to keep going into the eye of the storm and head right for politics and religion. So we have two listeners who have reached out, Brooke and Emily. But before we hear from them, we did want to say, speaking of politics, we're doing a summer series over on the Pantsuit Politics podcast feed, How to Be a Citizen. and you know what we've realized so much of how to be a citizen is just asking hard questions and having hard conversations back to that theme. So we hope that you will check out that series over on the Pantsuit Politics podcast feed. We would love to have you. We heard from Brooke and Emily. We'll start with Brooke, who needs to chat with her dad about politics or maybe stop chatting with him. They're struggling. Oh, Lord. Been there. Brooke is a college graduate who lives with her family in Florida whole family into Donald Trump. Fox News is on all the time. Her grandfather is Filipino, and she feels a cultural obstacle to asking him to change the channel, which we've heard from other folks as well. She has had lots of conversations with family. She is heartbroken by their reactions to those conversations. She finds a lot of the president's comments personally hurtful. She has Tourette's, and she especially takes issue with the way the president has mocked reporters with disabilities. And she just is heartbroken. She can't believe her family doesn't recognize what's really going on in the president's comments, that the radio and TV they're consuming are dehumanizing to other people, because she said in one way, it feels like he's my lovely, kind, wonderful, wise father. And in another, he's part brainwashed and so disconnected. And she says, I know it's ungenerous to see him and my family is brainwashed, but it's a metaphor that feels true because their beliefs are so incoherent to me. And here's what I think is so interesting about Brooke's message and so relatable. She said she's getting mixed messages in the world. She read Mm -hmm. through Brene Brown's book, Braving the Wilderness, and it convicted her that she needed to be kinder in political conversations and to apologize for how she's acted in some of those discussions. And then she heard Brene Brown and Glennon Doyle talking about Untamed and feels like she needs to live in her brave truth with her family, and she just doesn't know what to do. And I think that conflict is something that many of us feel all the time. So Brooke wanted to see what we thought. Well... I have a lot of experience with this particular type of conflict. 
my father, um, as regular listeners of Pantsu Politics know, is just all in on Donald Trump um, and MAGA. Well, I say that, and then sometimes I bump up against the the edges of his uh, political ideology when he was here visiting. He had no idea what QAnon was, and I about dropped to the ground and kissed Mother Earth in gratitude. But we see the world differently, to put it um, very lightly. And he is kind and generous, and he is my father. And all those things are true. And, you know, Brooke saying, I don't know, am I, am I supposed to be grateful and loving? Am I supposed to express my anger when they say racist, hurtful things? I mean, the truth is both. Um, sometimes you're going to feel more gracious than others. Sometimes the issues in the news or um, being talked about around the table are going to touch such deep identities and value-driven issues for you that it will be impossible to be gracious. And I believe that the power of family is bumping up against each other in both of those situations. And, you know, I think that it is essential to be honest with your family and to continue um, on this journey together and to continue to protect your boundaries and to protect that connection. And protecting both of those things at the same time will sometimes feel like you are working at cross purposes. But I have had a lot of success in my conversations with my father by, you know, pulling out and trying to get to a a 10,000 feet level of the conversation. You know, recently I've been sort of pushing him and saying, okay, if you think he's a jerk, but that's okay, it's the jerk we need, or um, you don't think he's racist, all that. You agree with him about the media. You agree with him about Congress. You know, one thing I've been talking about with my dad is, well, then who would hold him responsible should he mess up? I don't think you believe he's perfect and incapable of messing up. So if and when he messes up, who should hold him accountable? Sort of pulling back, not is the Mueller investigation valid, not should he have been impeached, but sort of hypothetical surrounding the president, I think, are more helpful because they they lower the heat. And just really saying, you know, pushing the conversation to a more like, what are we trying to do here? Because I think, you know, being in this family together, you and I care about the same things. You know, with my dad, we talk a lot about like both of us want what's best for my boys. Both of us want my boys to live in a safe, prosperous country. So what does that mean and how can we get there in ways we both agree on? But it's really hard and it can be really heartbreaking. And I think you have to give yourself a lot of grace and self-compassion as you engage with your family on these topics. Sarah, when you said you've had a lot of success, I think it would be helpful to flesh out what success means to you in these conversations. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, success does not mean that my father um, still doesn't have a Trump pad as his profile picture on Facebook. Success means I can at least get him to stop and think. I mean, success in conversations with my dad often means that I push and pull the conversation to a part where he says, well, I don't know the answer to that. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Okay, I'll take that. I'll take that as a win. As long as you've you've like bumped up in a pot spot where you realize you don't have a good answer for that, I take that as a as a success where I've at least caused you to question or at least caused you to see like, mm, maybe this isn't as consistent as I thought it was. Um, or success looks like where we both go, oh yep, I both see we both see that as a problem. 
We both disagree, we both agree that cable news is not the best place to get to get your information from. Or um, we both agree, you know, a lot of times it is we have problems with both sides of the political aisle on this particular issue. I wish it, and you know, I wish the the easiest place of agreement in America wasn't don't both sides suck because I don't actually believe that. I do think there are issues where we can say there's been problems on both sides, but for better or for worse, that is a place that often people can come to sort of a detente. So, you know, success sometimes looks like um, I've got him in less of a defensive posture. Uh, I've got him agreeing with me on a a small point. Um, We've come to agreement between ourselves on a bigger point. Um, If I can, you know, Make him laugh. I count that as success. I got a lot, you know, my expectations are low. So how I define success is diverse. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I ask you that question because I think that the answer to how do I deal with my parents and politics differs a lot based on every situation. As an observer to your relationship with your dad, it always seems to me that you are really in for whatever it takes to stay in relationship with him, to stay in good, loving relationship with him, and also to be able to discuss these things in that Mm -hmm. relationship. That's not going to be true for everybody. But Brooke, when you write to us that your dad is one of the best people you know, he's kind and caring. He goes out into the world seeking to make the day better for everyone. He's taught me so many wonderful lessons and means the world to me. That indicates to me that that Sarah is a great model for you. You know, if you were writing to us and telling us that you feel unsafe in your identity Mm -hmm. because of the way your dad speaks about politics and his political views, I think we'd be having a different conversation. And that's going to be true for some of the people who hear this podcast, as much as I wish it were not. That is going to be true for some people. But the language that you're using here has such generosity about who he is at his core that I think following Sarah's lead on this makes a ton of sense for you and looking at it as how do I stay in relationship? You know, to to go back to your Brene Brown and Glennon Doyle thing, I think living in your brave truth, one, is going to hurt your family sometimes, just as them living in theirs is hurting you in some ways. And none of us are guaranteed relationships free of hurt. So I don't think that's the goal. I think Sarah and her dad hurt each other sometimes in these conversations. And I know that that happens in my family and my own life, too. That's okay. I think what you want to avoid is feeling like all of these discussions are building to some kind of ultimatum where you all must get on the same page or you can't stay in relationship. I feel like that's a decision a lot of our listeners make. Like, this is just unsustainable, so I'm eventually going to have to pick between being a Democrat or loving my people. 
And I just don't think that's right. And I think that's so counterproductive as we talk about a lot on Pansy Politics. You cannot influence people if you're not in relationship with them. So if you're not there to say, hey, what we're hearing right now on television sounds pretty cruel to me. Help me understand why you don't see it that way. Then, then that message comes from nowhere and a worldview that is built on fear and separation about politics gets reinforced because the result of them having these perspectives, they're going to internalize your separation as persecution, right? So that does no one any good. I think that a lot of times as women, especially as we're told more like silence is not an option, we have to speak up, we have to advocate, we have to be an ally, yes, to all of that. And also, we can't do those things if we're separated from the people that we know and love best. So I don't want you to feel that pressure. I keep thinking about an interview I heard with Sharon Salzberg um, on the On Being. It's like a little mini podcast called Becoming Wise. And she said, people think and speak about love as if it is a submissive act. But it is a powerful act. And I think so often when we talk about, I love this person I'm in relationship with, or I love my family member, and this political ideology is so hurtful to me, it feels like, well, if I continue to stay in connection with them or love them, it's a submissive act. And I don't agree with that. I think love is proactive. and Moving forward and saying, I love you, and I don't see the person I love reflected in this ideology. I love you, and I won't give up if I see you falling prey to hate. And, you know, I t- I've talked about this a million times, but there's a New York Times article about family members who like who felt like they were losing their parents in particular to the brainwashing of um, certain conservative news channels. And I'll never forget the last story was this guy talking about how his sister just wouldn't give up on her brother and like really pulled him out of sort of like an alt-right, dangerous, white supremacy-like cult, you know, and and like radicalization, like reversed the radicalization. That's love. That's saying this far and no further because I love you and I'm not going to give up on you and I'm not going to let conflict over difficult um, conversations or fights about values um, disconnect us from one another. You know, it's kind of going to the mat. And I think loving someone can be going to the mat sometimes. And it doesn't have to be this sort of, if there's hurt involved, then I have to back out. That's not to say that people should stay present in a hurtful situation, obviously. But you know, I remember having a conflict once with a friend. And she said, you know, I don't fight with my friends. And I thought, I fight with my friends all the time. Like, how do you have intimacy with someone? How do you have connection with someone without conflict? And, you know, there's a lot of conflict in the air in America right now. It's the air we breathe. And... To think that you're going to wall off certain um, family relationships from that, I mean, maybe you can and maybe you can do it successfully, but I would think that you would sacrifice intimacy and connection in the process. And so, you know, to build that and to sustain that level of connection 
takes us bumping into each other and rubbing our rough edges off and, and getting our feelings hurt and having to explain why our feelings were hurt and saying we're sorry. You know, that's just the dance. And politics can make that dance uh, harder sometimes and at a faster tempo, but it's the same dance. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is all very related to what we heard from Emily. Emily grew up in Western North Carolina with both parents who are still married and a brother who is three years older. She's very close with all of them. Her mother is the granddaughter of a Baptist minister and grew up in a very religiously devout home. Her father was raised Catholic and has um, been more spiritually fluid, which I really love that term she used, than her mother. But when they were children, uh, they didn't attend church services regularly, maybe a few times a year. They always lived at least 45 minutes from the nearest city, so this was probably was too long of a drive. Um, they would attend service at a very small Baptist church close to our home, but did, it did not have a regular preacher and was mostly led by guest speakers and often featured a lot of fire and brimstone. She says, I recall one of them was particularly scary, the way they jumped around and slammed his fist on the pulpit to emphasize a point. She was homeschooled for all of her elementary school years with no religious education. However, in seventh grade, her mother enrolled them in a private, very small Baptist K-12 school. Twice a week, they had chapel. She remembers having a lot of anxiety about the altar call during chapel and about, quote unquote, being saved um, throughout this time in her life. They eventually enrolled in public school and her family moved to Alabama. She says, in college, I was not particularly religious and still had not attended regular church services other than seventh grade. I had lots of questions about Christianity, although I was fairly good at navigating the, the Bible because of my mother and my time at the Baptist school. I remember emailing my mother one day when I was 20 with all these questions about Christianity. I felt it could not be answered. And even my mother, who I considered somewhat of an expert at the time, could not answer most of them with more than just, you have to have faith. Fast forward, I am now 38 years old living in Alabama with two smart, delightful little girls, age eight and six, and I have a supportive husband. We have lots of great friends and good jobs and what we feel like is a good life. Over the past 10 years, my religious views have evolved into essentially atheism. This was not an uninformed evolution. I had lived a life with plenty of exposure to Christianity, but nonetheless came to finally resting on the idea that there is something greater than me, that I'm not sure what that is, and I may never know what it is. I find great comfort in several world religions and teachings and have formed my own unique opinions about the purpose and meaning of life and what is most important while we are here on earth. I'm completely comfortable in my current spiritual practice, even with all the internal battles that took place during my childhood and young adult life. But here is her problem. She has not shared any of this with her mother. She is personally offended and want to defend myself and others when she makes hateful statements about people who do not believe in God. 
the God she believes in. However, I feel like she would be completely devastated to learn that I'm an atheist. From the way she has spoken with such disgust about non-believers and people who do not believe in God during my adult lifetime, and even in the very near past, I'm certain she would be incredibly disappointed, to say the least. I also feel like she would worry about my children and try to push her beliefs onto them. Because of her personality, I think she will try incessantly to convince me that I am wrong and that I need to change. I shared my thoughts and views about the meaning of life and my disbelief in the Christian God with my father last year, and he was very open and understanding. However, I know my mother would not be. I've come to the conclusion that I should just continue to keep this from her to avoid upsetting her and causing a whirlwind of attention from her onto my family that I frankly don't want. But I do feel like it is ridiculous that I cannot share my views with my own mother, who I'm quite close with otherwise. I care deeply about my mother's emotional health, and I don't want to cause her any turmoil, especially during this very uncertain time for everyone. I'm just not sure what to do in this situation, whether to share with my mother or to continue on the current path of least resistance. If you have any insider wisdom to offer or things myself or others in this situation should consider, I would be truly grateful. Well, Emily, this is very difficult, especially when you're in such different places. I am certain that I have doctrinal differences with my parents, but that's quite different than um, a mom who has chosen to participate in a lot of fire and brimstone kind of sermons and who might truly worry about you in an existential way um, and and your absence of faith in the God that she believes in so fervently, which to me counsels in favor of really thinking about the right opportunity to begin a conversation. It doesn't feel to me like you need to have mom I have something to confess. I'm an atheist kind of discussion here. But more that in moments when it's natural, when you hear her say something about a non-believer or times when you're just discussing something important, I would just start laying the foundation of, you know, I have doubts about that, mom. I'm not sure that I see it that way. And see how she responds and talk through it. And I imagine that at some point, You will have a hard discussion about how you want to raise your own children with her. And I would try to think in that conversation about what it is you really love and value about your mother and the ways in which those things have contributed to you reaching this decision, not in the way of trying to blame her or make her feel responsible, but so she understands that you still really value and trust a lot of what she's given to you in your life. I think that's the biggest thing, you know, around faith and around politics, we too often tie together what you must think about my worth as a human with whether we agree or not. And if you can really work patiently in these discussions to show that this isn't about what you think of her as a human, it is about what you believe about the the state of the universe but influenced so positively by her as a human. I think that helps smooth the conversation. You know, this comes from my experience with my mom, who frequently when I have made decisions that I know are not the decisions she would have made in my shoes, will say something like, well, you've just always had your own mind about things. You've always done things your own way. And I really appreciate that from her because it is a gentle way to signal her disagreement, but to still wrap it in something she loves about me. And that's been such a good example for me in situations where I've disagreed with her and my dad or with other people who I really love in my life. 
So that's my advice to just, I wouldn't hold the burden of, oh, we really need to sit down and have this talk. I need to make this revelation because who knows anything about the universe? You know, we, we, we all need to approach that topic with some humility. Um, and so I would just start being open to places where you could begin this discussion. Yeah, you know, usually I'm a person who kind of rolls my eyes when people get in a conversation about labels. But I do think that atheism is such a sort of explosive label that there's no need to even still, much less than it used to be, but still, especially to older generations, it carries the weight that it doesn't, I think, carry for people our age. Also, for what it's worth, if you're saying, you know, I'm not sure, I I believe that there is something greater than me. I'm not sure what that is. Um, I'm not even sure you are atheistic. I think you're probably agnostic. But I think that you're right. That saying, I, I don't believe in Christianity, um, can feel as weighty as saying, I don't believe in God at all or anything greater than me at all. And like you said, like just having lots of conversations or lots of moments where you open the door and allow her to see that your your thoughts and your beliefs have changed, which she probably already knows, right? I bet your mom already has a sense that you have shifted and that you don't believe the same things as she does. And so, you know, I think giving people space to, um, I want to say come to Jesus, but that's probably <laughs> uh, not the not analogy for this uh, conversation. But like, you know what I mean? Like to get acquainted with that idea, to give them little moments where they can go, huh? Because I think, you know, based on what you're saying about your mom's personality, you're right. If you put all this on her, then it's going to become a thing. And you know your mom better than we do. And if you don't want it to be a thing, then you shouldn't let it be a thing. So just having those quiet moments where you can say, or those just like little conversational asides. Yeah, I don't know if I, I don't know how I feel about that anymore. And just scratching at it and scratching at it and scratching at it so that you are just revealing yourself instead of feeling like you have to drop this bomb. I don't think you should feel at any moment like you need to keep things from your mom. If there's a moment where you feel, I want to say something more bluntly, then I think you should. Um, Because I think it is detrimental to the connection and can sort of eat away at the relationship if you feel like you are actively keeping things from her. You know, so if you find a moment that's ready for a big revelation, I think you should go for that too. Because I do, I I don't think you should ever consciously feel like you're keeping something from the relationship because I think that that's hard and that can really eat away at things. Yeah, I agree. I don't think you want to be in a place where you're hiding something from her because as a mom, I, you know, I would just say if Jane were in this position, it would hurt me more to feel like she had hidden an important part of herself than to know that she seriously departed from my views about something. Mm -hmm. So you just want to approach this with a lot of respect for her and a sense of grace and an understanding like we talked about with Brooke's message. There probably will be some hurt here. And We sign up for hurt when we have children, you know, we're going to hurt a million times over um, through the relationship with our kids. That's just part of it. And I think that's Mm -hmm. okay too. And I think your valid concern about how she would react to this stress is the reason to just tread carefully, be honest, but without um, drama on your end. That slow and steady approach feels congruent with the way you've written this message to us as well, because the message is, let me tell you how I got here step by step by step by step. So I think you want to let her know that 
This has been step by step by step. Lots of reflection, lots of internalization of your experiences, lots of thinking and searching and questioning. I think you're going to be just fine with this, Emily. I have a really good feeling about where this ends for you all. I don't think you're going to get like a ringing endorsement from your mother of this belief, but I think that you can conduct this conversation with her in a way where you land on mutual respect, even if she still harbors concerns about what this means for your soul or something. And I don't, I don't want to say that dismissively to anyone who, who would feel that same way. I just mean you can have that tension of her being uncomfortable about where you are, mm-hmm. but you two still being honest and loving. I like be honest with great care. It's good advice in all relationships. Well, thank you all so much for the great care that you show as you reach out to us. We are excited to continue to talk through your commemorations, your advice questions. Please do consider joining us over on Pantsy Politics for the How to Be a Citizen series, especially if you liked Sarah's advice about zooming out to the big picture. We're going to have all kinds of conversation starters for you in this series. And until we talk with you next Wednesday, keep it nuanced, y'all. Dylan Garvin produces The Nuance Life. Elise Knapp is our managing director. The Nuance Life is listener supported. Go to patreon.com slash the nuance life. For $5 each month, you'll receive an entire bonus episode of The Nuance Life. Dante Lima is the composer and performer of our theme music. Dylan Garvin is the composer and performer of our ad music. For more information about The Nuance Life and to connect with us through our weekly email, visit pantsuitpoliticsshow.com.